Peace, y'all. You were listening to Infinite Rewind by YFC, your favorite color. Hey. Bro, how do you decide whether it fits a V-neck day or a regular shirt day? I don't, bro. I open my drawer. I, I do this. <laughs> I, 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 feel, I feel different with a V-neck on. I feel like slightly more exposed, but way more okay with it than with it. Like a regular t-shirt, it's like, I don't know. It's so normal and customary that like it doesn't even phase me. When yeah. I put a V-neck on, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm happy with the level of vulnerability right now. This is yeah, cool. V-neck, V-necks are a little more spicy, man. They're like a slight, a little more, yeah. It's like a little more cinnamon when you try. I'm with sure. it, I'm with it. Uh, Freddie Mercury was a huge fan of the V-necks. You see? That's, that was where I was going to go with it. When you're like, yo, I don't even think about it. I'm like, yeah, but something in your <laughs> ecosystem was thinking about it. Hey. Freddie Mercury. Do you guys watch Bohemian Rhapsody? I actually, yeah, I, I did. I did, yeah. What'd you think? I thought it was great. I yeah. I was... I thought the acting was on point. The music, the, the way they depicted the song creation aspect in the song, I thought was like slightly cheesy. Uh, but man, it definitely gave me the chills several times. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't know much about Queen. Um, I mean, I, everyone knows who Freddie Mercury is. I mean, you've heard some of these songs on the radio just growing up or just around and... Uh, yeah, I just didn't know much about them. I knew, you know, that he had um, come down with HIV and, and died to AIDS. But, um, but yeah, I didn't really, I didn't know. So I was just like, I'm blown away by the story. You know, um, uh, I thought it was fantastic. I thought Rami Malek was like, like I was like, this, like I, I wouldn't know better. I was like, this is Freddie Mercury. Like it's just the way he played him. I was like, this has got to be the guy. You know, I was, there was, wasn't anything that like made me feel like this wasn't a, this was a superficial character. Like this was like a real person. Um, you know, it's just like exemplary. But uh, what got me, I, I didn't know this obviously, but you know, the, the, the Live Aid, our, our Farm Aid, Live, farm aid, live um, aid, Live Aid uh, concert at the end, when they actually were filming it, it was no music playing. It just, so when Rami Malek's running around singing, he's actually not singing. He's just lip singing and like full on just doing Freddie Mercury like stunts with the no music, which is amazing <laughs> to me. I feel like, you know, somebody would have had to like played that in the background and then just not like, you know, took it out of the film and just, just to put him like set him up. But uh, no, that was, that was fucking cool. Yeah. Have either of you guys watched uh, Elton John's biopic movie? No, I haven't. Yeah. yeah. Well, how do you think uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was? Was it as good as uh, Rocket Man? I think they're very comparable. Like yeah. you, you walk away from both of those feeling very, like, just shocked at the mere like theater of the cinematic experience, and also like just perplexed and amazed by like the depth of their range as people like they felt so much and that's so evident in their music and they just basically are the definition of extra both of them 
Like <laughs> neither, neither, neither of them are like clean cut, you know, early Beatles, like with the nice little shirts and tie. Like they were like, yeah, we feel this. We're artists and we're going to basically turn our music into a full on circus show. Like yeah. they, they were very theatrical yeah. and uh, like just exposed and they yeah, both yeah. did a really good job and they were like super haunted both of them i think elton john more than uh freddie mercury i know elton john like was serious into the drinking and the drugs um not as much as freddie mercury according to the biopics so. yeah I, I might i might watch uh bohemian rhapsody today yeah but yeah both of them are definitely like two fearless individuals yo talking about yeah. just being 100 percent yourself with no remorse yo I gotta check out Rocket Man, but I I just remember the trailer. Um, I think he was like going out to play in like a Chase Stadium or something like that, and the crowd's roaring when he's right right before he steps on scene. He's walking up to the stage and he's got this frown on his face, like, and if I'm remembering it right from the trailer, he just walks up, frown on his face, and at, right when he steps out on stage, he boom perks right back mm -hmm. up, and you know, so it just to me it's just like that without seeing the movie, without knowing really much about Elton John, like, that just, like, was a glimpse of the story. I was, I was unhappy. There was unhappiness to, in the man, and, uh, but he was a showman, you know? And I think that that's a lot of, uh, I mean, that's a lot of, you know, you read about, like, musicians that have come and gone, or died too early, or, you know, burnt out. Um, and even go as far as bands breaking up, it's just this, you know, you're a human and you can only put up with so much and your body can only take so much. And, you know, at some point, maybe, you know, the character, the persona that you build just is bigger than the band or just bigger than yourself and will just drag you in a direction, you know? Mm. Um, I don't know, that's more of a, a, a bigger topic, but, you know, d being pushed to do things you don't want to do, but, I'm also obviously speaking out of turn. I haven't seen the movie. I just, when I saw that part of the trailer, I was like, I think this is the movie. It just speaks volumes. That one image just spoke volumes to me. Yeah, no, you definitely should watch Rocket Man. This shit is phenomenal. Yeah. I'm cool. Yeah. You in a jumpsuit, Ben? Um, do you want me to be? You look like you're ready to go play, like, you know, go play like professional basketball, like go step out onto the court, zip that down. You're in a, in a uni and ready to go. Joel, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to, I'm definitely not going to play pickleball. That's for sure. <laughs> Yo, Ben, yeah. I was actually thinking about this before we get started. I have a question kind of unrelated. What do you think your projection was? Had you not injured your knee in high school? In what sense? Basketball. Um, I feel like, best case like no injuries ever maybe like some small liberal arts division two scholarship um I, I did a basketball camp my junior year um at holy cross in worcester and i had a few division two coaches like talk like yo what's going on like what are you thinking about doing blah 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 uh but then i had a bunch of injuries and i ended up going to a division three school ended up not playing at all so, yeah, maybe, like, some small D2 school. But, yeah, definitely was for the better, man, because I ended up going to a way better school, meeting way better people, getting a way better education. Uh, I did crew for a few months because I couldn't play basketball. Y'all know what crew is? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
not a lot of Dominicans doing that. Well, <laughs> not formally on teams, at least. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it might be a refugee situation. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I just imagine like seeing a bunch of Dominicans like watching uh, like Charles River in Boston, like with crew teams. Like, yo, y'all do this for a scholarship? That's amazing. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was a blessing in disguise. It was like ridiculously painful at the moment, um, but yeah, ended up manifesting in some beautiful things. I actually started making beats because I couldn't play basketball. That was like how I started really getting into music. I'm like, yo, fuck, I like sit all day. Might as well learn how to play this shiny ivory thing. Word, yeah, that's fucking cool. All right, Josh, shall we uh, dive into this? Let's dance. Yeah, man. It's exciting. It's been a short hiatus, but we're back. We're back, baby. We're back. Yeah, you're back like Cook Crack, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Episode 18 of Infinite Rewinds of our podcast where we dive deeply into albums throughout history in order to enhance our palates, if you will. Uh, so we actually started listening to this album about a month ago, but we took a short hiatus uh, you know, welcome to the world, to the beautiful baby, baby Archer, uh, Dan Libby's new, uh, newborn baby. Uh, you know, it took a short hiatus, but we're back. Uh, we've been listening to the album The Game by Queen, rock album released in 1980. Uh, you know, this album is very raw, edgy, punchy, eccentric, a lot of attitude. This, this album is like the epitome of stadium music, in my opinion. Uh, this is their eighth studio album, Freddie Mercury on the vocals, Roger Taylor on the drums, uh, John Deacon on bass, Brian May on guitar and vocals. Uh, the songs were written by uh, three of the members predominantly, which I thought was pretty dope. Uh, but yeah, they, they blend, they beautifully blend, you know, prog rock, soft rock, arena rock. Like I said, it's a, it's like a fusion of, of rock, if you will. Um this is the only album of theirs that reached number one in the U.S., which is, I thought was interesting. Oh. We've also noticed in the past that when artists, um, when their intent is to cross over a little bit, if you will, become a little more pop, um, backed by a big record label, it usually works. In this case, it worked in the United States, at least. They uh, reached another level of fame. Uh, this album, I think, was like two albums before the album that had Bohemian Rhapsody, so they were kind of still on the climb. Um, but yeah, 1980s release, uh, Freddie Mercury, one of the best vocalists of all time. So we we'll start somewhere very superficial. What, uh, especially revisiting this album a month later. What, what were you guys' initial thoughts the original time? And assuming you guys listened to it leading up to today, what were your thoughts also, also uh, leading up to today's conversation over the last week listening to it? I um. Well, my opinion on the album didn't change. Um, so I'll come right out and say that. Um, I'll also admit that I, while familiar with some Queen songs and, you know, watched the movie Bohemian Rhapsody and done my own little research after Bohemian Rhapsody just on the band because I was really just uh, interested to learn more about him. Um, I had never actually listened to a full Queen album. So... But I kind of had this feel. I kind of felt like uh, ahead of time, like I knew what I was going to get myself into. It wasn't going to be um, just rock. Um, you know, he's. It was going to be something different 
you know, probably the most famous song of all time for Queen is Bohemian Rhapsody. And that's like a very well arranged piece of art, piece of music. So going into this, I felt like any song that Freddie Mercury wrote, it's probably well arranged. Like he's just, he has like a, a, it's like he's putting on a show for that song. Um, so I, going into it, I had expectations that it was going to be sort of outside my wheelhouse, uh, not exactly palatable. So it was already, you know, it was going to, it felt like it was going to be an uphill struggle. Um, but I didn't know. Um, but when I got into it and I listened to the album, I felt, uh, that I was dead on. <laughs> I was like, okay, this isn't my jam, but I can appreciate a lot of this. And then there's some, I mean, not discrediting uh, certain songs in the album, which are timeless. I just, I just think that they just accomplished so much and just so put their talents on display. Uh, into me, that's, that's the album or those couple of songs that really just were just 10 out of tens. But um, yeah, it, it was, I came into it, felt good about it. Um, wasn't like pump up music. Didn't make me. It really didn't leave a lasting impression on me. Um, the first go, and then listening to it again this week, it was the same thing. Although I did, you know, you just you listen to it again. You each time you listen to something, you find something new in it. So I, I was picking up more. Um, I, I guess I, this time around, I had more of an appreciation for uh, the instrumentation and how it was you know they weren't like colliding with each other it was just again going back to the arrangement um talent that i mentioned earlier so kenya didn't change it actually stayed the same throughout um so yeah that that's that's the story for for me what, what do you think ben yeah, there's a scene in Bohemian Rhapsody where it's around the middle of the movie, so the band is already formed, and they're in the studio working on this album, actually. And they're having an argument, and then one of the band members is like, yo, can we just work on this track? And Freddie Mercury gets kind of upset. He's like, yo, this is, like, so basic. It's just, like, American funk. Like, it's, this is, there's no queen here. And the guy starts playing it. He's like, well, let's make it a queen song. And that song ended up being... Uh, another one bites the dust. So that that baseline uh, is pretty basic. Like most people that have never played a bass guitar, if you hand them a bass, probably in ten minutes you can teach them how to play that baseline. But what makes that song, and I'll even go a step further, what makes this album so appealing is not the baselines, not the instrumentation, not even the solos. It's really just how extra Freddie Mercury is and how the background all compliments him. And I felt that way at the beginning because lyrically there's not a lot of depth here, I think. Um, and the instrumentation isn't wildly extravagant or like incredibly memorable to me. But whenever I hear Freddie Mercury bend a note or like end a phrase and lead into a hook, there's just so much extra emotional depth there. He's just so extra, like he's so theatrical uh it's it's like you can't contain it like if you ask freddie mercury just to sing like a nursery rhyme you'd be like yo i've never heard anyone sing a nursery rhyme like that in my entire life and that's how it i is. felt initially and every listen after that it's like yo this dude is just extra like so extra so over the top um i keep wanting to use the word flamboyant but i know all the context behind it and it's most time negative but like it's just that 
it's like fiery in that sense. Um, and I think that that is what's really uh, enticing to people is just how much of a like, cinematic experience and emotional experience it is listening to Freddie Mercury's vocals. So to me, I think what jumped out initially was the vocals and what I usually, what I'm leaving with after every listen is, wow, man, Freddie Mercury, not necessarily in terms of like, this guy's hitting Mariah Carey notes or like Louis Armstrong. Like he's just so unique. Like we've used the term one of one so many times with vocalists that we really admire from, you know, Bob Marley to Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, I, I would put Freddie Mercury like in, the, he's got to be in the top 10 vocalists of all time. Facts. Super facts. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. And and it's so, and it has, for me, it has so much to do with individuality, which we've touched on, on with unique vocalist throughout history you know that he is definitely a, a unicorn if you will um yeah, yeah. flamboyant unfortunately does have kind of a negative connotation but he's very like eccentric and I, yes. I love that it's almost like that juxtaposition because i feel like <clears throat> rock is typically like just very edgy and like hardcore but he is very like up there he's like high mm. yellow high energy i was just watching the performance of them playing another one bites the dust and he's uh, actively uh, jumping around the stage barefoot. He's wearing like Daisy Duke like shorts, no shirt, a bandana around his neck and a trucker hat. That's his attire. He's just like, I'm myself. I don't care what anyone else thinks. He's like purely himself, yo, which I admire that in any form that it comes, whether it's as a, as a, as a, as a, as a purple elephant, as a uh, beautiful, colorful unicorn, as any, any realm that you may live in, if you are yourself, no one else uh, comes close to you in that space. I appreciate that shit. So let's go. Um, and I get it. You know, I thought about this this morning as I was listening through. Is that I get a little bit of uh, of Tony. Is that is that Tony that just uh, joined us on the YFC? Uh, nah, it's Marianne. No, but somebody just typed on the YFC. Uh, oh, that was me. Ah, uh, 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 okay. I get a little bit of Tony in the sense that, realistically speaking. Tony is kind of unique, dude. And his approach to things are very unique. Mm -hmm. So listening to this album kind of makes me appreciate Tony and who he is a little bit more because it's like, I've never met another person like Tony. And in his terms of his vocal ability and his, uh, it's almost like Tony singing a lullaby song. He wouldn't be able to sing it normally. You know, the punk rock influence in Tony is going to ooze out. Yeah. Without right. a doubt. And that's what we get with, Fred with Freddie Mercury. So... Yeah, uh, I guess I didn't really talk about my, my initial thoughts. Uh, yeah, initial thoughts is definitely uh, Freddie Mercury all the way, bro. That man is uh, something else, yo. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily uh, connect to every song or loved it, but I will say that listening to this album again a month after we took a short hiatus, I did find myself appreciating the music a little more, and I'm sure that that came down to familiarity. Mm -hmm. You know, listening yes. to the album again and, and remembering uh, some of the stuff that I thought about it previously, it just it just enhances what I think about music, which um, it, it kind of brings me back to the point where I've, I've brought up probably multiple times during our album reviews is that I, I question whether a week is enough to really fully dissect and appreciate an album. Like, I appreciate this album on a deeper level a month later than I did, you know, a month ago when we listened to it. Hmm. But that's just my thoughts. You know, I, I'll probably grade the album 
like a point higher or two now than I would have back then. Put an asterisk next to the score. I'm, my uh, no, I, I agree. With, I, I have to go back on my comment too. I totally agree with Raul. I think it's uh, um, I like the second time around. Uh, I appreciate. I like I said. I noticed more things, and I started appreciating it a little bit more. Totally agree with the two of you, Freddie Mercury. Like, just his presence and his his ability is really the driving force on this on this album, and just he's just so dominant. Um, and then the band just kind of you know complements around. They're all exceptional musicians, but it's really Freddie that just like takes it to an entirely different level. And yeah, man, like he's just in um you know a perfect solo artist really he's just entirely himself um you get the you can feel personality in his in his singing um yeah it's just it, it, yeah I, I sorry i had to go back and say i think i opened up my my initial thoughts with kind of like a negative approach and it's just more that it, it my opinion didn't change on the album um first or second time i just i guess i appreciated the album more or just because i was noticing different things the second time around it's usually honestly maybe i just didn't spend enough time with it the first time around for obvious reasons so um so yeah maybe you know yeah that's probably why it's the same or close to being the same yeah that's interesting i feel like i i was more aware of the album after giving it more time and it actually made me like it less I think when I listened to it the first time in that, whatever, that week we were listening to it, um, I became so familiar with it that I was just too, I was too close to it. I was like front stage and could see all of it. And I was just so focused on Freddie that I was like, oh my goodness, like he's such a marvelous aspect to this piece of art. And then I think the time away from it helped me see the bigger picture of it. And I was a little more disillusioned with it. I found it to be a little simpler than I would have liked. I found it to be not as thematically cohesive as I would have liked. I, I found that although there were peaks, like another one bites the dust, needs some loving, um, sail away, sweet sister. Like there were a lot of lows that I kind of just ignored. You know, it's like after, it's like when you, you know someone for 20 or 30 years, it's like, yeah, whatever. He's kind of an asshole. You just kind of forget the fact that he's an asshole. But then if you go away and come back, it's like, it's more apparent what you don't like about that person. So for me, the time away really accentuated what I didn't like about the album the first time. So yeah, I, I, I think the time away increases your awareness of it, but that can also go both ways. You can come back and like it more or come back and feel like you want something else. Totally agree. I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I can I can see how you could be teetered uh, either way, after you know revisiting. Well, if, if I remember right, Ben was like interested in Freddie Mercury. Like uh, that, that week, he was like, "Whoa!" Sending like little like memes and shit, and you know, like it just it just got the sense that you like you caught something, and you were like open like were introduced to to Freddie and you're like, oh shit. And you just ran with it. Yeah. So then the time was... goes by, it's like, oh, that magic's just not there. You know, not, not as intense. You know? Yeah. But to go to Raul's opening remarks, like this was, I'm not sure if it was the only album where they co-wrote a lot of the songs, but there are a few songs in the album that 
um, Freddie Mercury is not the lead vocalist nor the lead contributor lyrically. And those to me are like massive negatives. So for me, like a solo Freddie Mercury album or a Queen album where he is the predominant vocalist and songwriter, I think would be more appealing overall. And I don't think Queen has like the range that the Beatles have. We're like, yeah, you can have John sing a song. You can have Ringo sing a song. You can even have George Harrison sing a song. And they're still like, okay, this is still top shelf. To me, when, when Queen says someone besides Freddie is going to take the lead, it's like a massive decrease in quality for me. It's still acceptable. Like it's edible, but it's not like three Michelin stars the way that Freddie Mercury is. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you on that, and I, I definitely agree. Um, let me ask you guys, where would you guys rank Freddie Mercury as vocalist all time? Oh, uh, top 10, most definitely, if not higher. I mean, I, 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 I maybe, I mean, I, yeah, I'd say he's just a uh, fucking amazing. <laughs> Someone else jump in. I, I think, I mean, I, I would hesitate to say he's higher and then I'm grasping at it like, whoa, well, you know, I've never really thought about this. Like, oh, is he, yeah. is he a better vocalist than, you know, Mariah Carey or a better vocalist than Michael Jackson? You know, I don't know. Like, I would think, I think so, I'm both, but I don't have and listened to enough of those mm -hmm. artists to really stick my feet in the ground on it. I don't know if I'd rank him over Michael Jackson, but I, I think he's, he's in the top 10 realm for me. Because he's not a better vocalist than, like, Whitney Houston. He's not a better vocalist than Mariah Carey. Not a better vocalist. Yeah, I, I, I could probably think of at least five or six vocalists who I think are better, um, in my opinion, at least. So I'd say he's probably in the top 10, 15 for me. Yeah. He's, um, not, he's not better than Michael Jackson. Uh, not better than Adele, Nina Simone. It's not better. I, I I really, really, really like Ray Charles, but I don't think Ray Charles is like, his range is all that great. But I, I, I don't, I think in terms of expressiveness in vocals, Freddie Mercury might be one of the best. I don't think in terms of range, he's the best, but... Freddie Mercury. You don't think Freddie Mercury is one of the best in terms of range? That dude can climb. Dude, he has he. I'm pretty sure it's proven that he has a four uh, tone range in his his excuse me four octave range in his. Okay, vocal. yes, sure. But when I think of like the best vocalist ever, like range is just a part of the puzzle. Like Mariah Carey has range, but I don't think she's anywhere near as expressive as Freddie Mercury is. It's like yep. yes. Like, Mariah Carey can hit a half-court shot, but Freddie Mercury can, like, do – can dunk from the free-throw line. And he can do, like, 360s over people. Like, he has more – he's more um, dynamic and creative in his vocal abilities than Mariah Carey is. But in terms of range, I guess it's not as important to me. Like, yes, you can hit a chipmunk piercing note, but that's not that valuable to me. But, yes, needless to say, Freddie Mercury top ten vocalist. Yeah. I, th I think for me, uh, range does probably hold a lot of the, uh, I guess, contributing factors and what I love in vocalists. But I, I think I think even more so than that, I think the one thing that, and I, I've probably caught on to this more so 
you know, through our uh, musical excursion uh, is that I think what I value most in vocalists is just that, like, unique texture. There's, like, a, you know, a, vo a, vo a, a voice that you can recognize immediately, uh, a voice that is just, it's not just how pretty you can sing, but, you know, kind of, there's a raspiness to Freddie Mercury's voice, which I think is dope as shit. Um, things like that is what contributes to me, uh, what contributes to me appreciating vocalists more than the norm. Mm. Like Bob Marley's voice is one of one. Even though Rihanna is not a phenomenal vocalist, she has that raspiness and like almost like that smoker's like uh, like back tone, which is amazing, dude. Like I, I love, I love. Exactly, exactly. You know that Billie Holiday esque. Like Billie Holiday's voice is, I you know maybe this is our most overused term in our reviews, but Billie Holiday's vo voice is one of one. I, I I find myself appreciating individuality more than uh, vocal range, and many times. Yeah, I just wonder, like, if you listen to any artist that many times, is it is there anyone that wouldn't be one of one? You know, like if you took any singer and just listened to them every day for a week straight, wouldn't you just learn to? see the uniqueness in their voice or do you feel like there are still some artists that no matter how many times you listen to them they would still blend into the masses for sure for sure there are many artists who are who play it safe if you will who are not who who are reluctant to step outside of the box and experiment a little bit i, I think there there are much more vocalists in history who played safe who are walking the tightrope and they want to be perfect. It's not always about being perfect. You know, it's, it's about having those characteristics that make you jump right out the page. Yeah. I'm thinking like Katy Perry. Like to me, she's not, I've never heard a Katy Perry song and been like, Oh my goodness. That's like signature dynamic, unique Katy Perry, just breaking the mold of the female pop singer. Um, but someone like Adele, Someone like Amy Winehouse, those are vocalists that I'm like, yo, they're they're cracking the pavement. Like this is not how this artist is normally portrayed in like the sweet, sugary, superficial bubblegum magazine cover of pop magazine, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think Amy Winehouse is a great example of someone who has a unique characteristic to her voice. Yeah. For sure. All right. Well, I guess we should shift gears. I, I didn't really find. Uh, let's talk about th thematics of the album. I didn't really find much of a through line, theme wise. You know, they touched on love for like three or four of the songs, but what, what do you guys think, uh, content wise, lyrically? I didn't, I didn't like, take anything away. I think they were just the, each was like its own own piece. Uh, wasn't really anything. Like I said, nothing really grabbed my attention. I was like stunning, like oh my god, it's poetry. Um, I'm sure there's you know there's nuggets in there. I just didn't I didn't take any home with me. Um, it really wasn't about the lyrics at all. It was about the melodies and and Freddie just being the lead instrument of it all, um, and just the grooves. There's some songs on here that are just so groovy. Um, and I think it was just, it was also more uh, the application of vocals. Uh, I think I made a comment earlier about like really enjoying the arrangements. Um, like a crazy little thing called love. 
in the breakdown. Gotta be cool. Relax. Get in. And they're like, oh, oh, you know, like just the placement of the vocals, you know. Ready, Freddy. You know, that like, yeah, it's a lyric. There wasn't anything stunning about what they were saying. It was just the music. It was just so, in most, many cases, just groovy. Um, so, yeah, there was, the lyrics weren't anything for me to write home about. But, and I think themes follow or derive from lyrics. At least that's the map to figuring out what the theme is. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure one out other than uh, this is like, just like, 80s rock music to pump you up. I don't know. It's not fully rock either, you know? <laughs> it's like the one song on that album that was like full on, well, Dragon Attack is like a pretty rocky song. That's really rhythm driven. Um, the Need Your Love song that comes on, comes out right after another one bites the dust. It just like, to me, it was like just completely out of place. But then at the end of, after listening to it again, I was like, most of these songs aren't cohesive with each other anyway, so um, I guess it's fine. It was probably the least, most least attractive one. That was the one that was like the most rock, 80s rock of its time, I thought, um, before the 80s really took off. It was, it was like, oh, I'm sorry, it was like a carryover from like the 70s rock, classic rock, one called classic rock now. It was like 70s rock, but like more like poppy, which I suppose is what 80s rock is. I don't know. Um, but yeah, sorry, going back to the original question, I didn't think there was anything, any, I didn't take any any nuggets home with me um, from the lyrics and really couldn't draw, come to a conclusion on the theme of the album other than there may not be a theme to the album. Yeah, I think there usually is a theme. It's more of a question of how strongly was that theme explored and played. I think the album is called The Game because they're referring to love being some sort of game where there are winners and in Freddie Mercury's case, more losers than anything. So the theme of love, I think, is touched upon, but not fully explored in its depth. And I think that is why it's difficult to say like, yo, the theme or the narrative or the you know, the conquering of some obstacle is not super apparent here because I don't think lyrics are Freddie Mercury's like claim to fame, which is okay. Like you can't have it all um, unless you're YFC, but um, Freddie Mercury does do way more vocally and the queen does way more with their arrangements, their melodies, their harmonies um, than they do with their lyrical theme construction. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's scattered even, you know, you go from a song like dragon attack, which is, just about feeling certain things. Then you go to another one bites the dust, which has nothing to do with dragon attack. And then you go to, I need your loving, which is okay. That's a little bit more in the theme of love, but then you jump to another song that has nothing to do uh, with that. So it's just, it's very, it, 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 it felt more like channel surfing than sitting down and watching a movie. Uh, but I will say that a song like um, this thing called love, that would make a lot of people in a bar, in a function hall, even in a stadium, feel absolutely amazing. Um, sure. Actually talking about his last live gig. Tony's actually playing today, 4-7 residency at the Derby. Whoop. Quick plug. Uh, Tony was talking about his last song that he played, uh, I think last week, was that John Denver track, uh, Country Roads. Yeah, I remember he said that he had 
standing up on tables and like the bartender was hyped and he wasn't even playing his instrument. He was just singing it and the whole bar was singing it as well. So I feel like Queen's appeal is they're going to make you feel good with like stadium type of rock music. It's not going to have a really beautiful narrative, you know, uh, Tolkien theme that is really captivating. But uh, yeah, it is going to be, it's going to make you feel good. It's going to get you hyped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree in kind of the sporadicness in terms of the lyrical content. They were kind of all over the place. You know, they touched on love various times and there's different shapes. Um, and, you know, one thing I want to mention before we get into final thoughts is uh, I thought the song Don't Don't Try Suicide, for it being a anti-suicide song, yeah. it was very, um, some of the lyrics are kind of careless and insensitive. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, which which kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like no one cared, no one cares, no one gives a damn, things like that. It's like that's not an anti-suicide statement to be making, man. That song really did not resonate well with me. Nobody's not... watching. Just do it, <laughs> but don't do it at the same time. Yeah, yeah yo, not a fan. And, or maybe I'm interpreting the lyrics incorrectly. I don't know. But uh, that's a weird song. I remember, it, you know. It's it's a Freddie Mercury song, I think, right? It just it it's like told by the arrangement, like just the way it's like more like a like a operatic like, music theater. Um, but yeah, I pulled up the lyrics here again. It's just that this is just weird. Like I, I didn't take anything home while he was singing, and I just I thought the title was off. I was like, the you know. Singing about suicide and it's got like this like peppy like bow, 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 bow. like this just seems so like uh, bizarre to me but you know, yeah too man. showy. Sorry, I got distracted by that sign behind you. Anyways, um, oh, yeah, man. man, let's get let's get into final thoughts, yo. I think we're running out of time. This is built for. Archer Libby, can you see that front way? Or are you only seeing it? It's mirrored, but mirrored. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, that looks like what they uh, what they hang outside of the homes in your neighborhood and stuff. No? Yeah, yeah. My brother-in-law put this together. That was my very future cool. brother-in-law. My sister's fiance. That was dope. Yeah. Pretty very swagalicious, good. as I may yeah. say. Super fast. Um, so yeah, the game. Uh, this album, definitely a deeper appreciation for it the second time around listening to it. There were some nuggets that I pulled from it, you know, in, 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 in the eccentric nature, in the, you know, just completely being vulnerable in yourself. I think there's definitely gems to pull from that. Um, I, I, I love, I love uh, Freddie Mercury's ability to go very high tenor and then all of a sudden go very low, crazy little thing called love. So it's like a deep dive in vocals always uh, always catches my attention. Um, yeah, a lot of the songs are driven by the groove. And questionably rock, too, right? This, song, this album is questionably rock. It's like rock influence, rock somewhat oriented, but it's also very poppy, mm. very singy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, genre bending, if you will. Um, and definitely very influential, man. Queen in general definitely influenced music and pop culture, yo. Uh, so kudos to them. Um, if I had to rate this, I would probably rate this. 
album a six at his best. Um, I didn't love a handful, a handful of the songs, but the songs that I did like, I very much liked. I, I, I love how they, uh, some of these songs start very almost like pretty and like minimalist. And then all of a sudden it'll like switch completely. And then it gets more like heavy rock oriented, which I thought was dope. So yeah, I would rate this album a six. I'll, um, I'll go. Oh, unintended. Um, that was unintentional. The, the uh, cannon is loaded up, y'all. Be careful. Livy's shooting. You know, he doesn't care what he hits. Um, yeah, I I thought, um, I think when I, as I led with my initial thoughts, my initial thoughts are, I just drew my conclusion just right away. I, I had to like, yeah, I agree. I, I had a, a deeper appreciation for things the second time around, placement and whatnot, but it didn't move the needle for me all that much. This one's easily, you know, I like maybe really enjoyed maybe three or four of the songs on the album. Um, like enjoyed, like, oh, listen, you know, palatable, enjoyed. The rest are kind of forgettable um, or annoying. And, mm. uh, but then there's, you know, another one bites the dust is just a timeless groove. And, you know, Freddie Mercury's breakdown over the over the drums at the end. You know, another one bites the dust. That breakdown gets me every time. Just that walk down. It's like this dude is just sets the bar um, as far as just like just using his voice as an instrument. And then that like just like just placement. I don't know. I guess I should explore. Uh, expand my vocabulary to describe it better, but he's yeah. There are cer certain elements on the song. Uh, I'm sorry, on the album are really what give it its score. This is honestly, I was gonna give it a five, but I, I think it's round up a little bit. So it's like five and a half, so I'll round up to a six um, because of Freddie Mercury, um, because of songs like Crazy Little Thing Called Love. It's fantastic. That's just like old school rock and roll, but you know, spun the Queen way. Um, you know, where it's like, yeah, it's just arranged really well. It's tight. Um, and uh, and another one by Sadas. Like those, those two clearly take the cake. And then um, play the game is kind of like like a foreshadow of. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, like way down the line, not not, not obviously not the same song uh, in structure, but it it kind of telegraphs that this is the direction that he's kind of going and exploring more, or setting the song up arrangements with a big crescendo, um, more like theater. So yeah, I, I it you know unfortunately uh, I didn't find anything new in the album that like listening to this first Queen album all the way through I didn't like find anything like oh my god like how come this isn't played on the radio or you know never heard this before why oh, this is incredible this is uniquely queen now unfortunately the the songs that i had already heard in my lifetime were still the best songs in the album um and that was kind of that was a little disappointing but you know it happens so um so yeah th those couple of songs and then the rest of like the album just seemed um you know, while it's expressive, it just for some it just feels like it's wrapped in plastic. But that's that's mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. It wasn't anything. It just it just seems sterile. 
um, though expressive, uh, very rangy, very, uh, and I know they're trying to experiment here and break, you know, as Marilla said, it's like genre bending. Um, just, I, I struggled the last month just thinking about this album, just like, what bucket do we put it in? It's like, do you even put it in a bucket? Um, what do you call it? Soft rock? No. Classic rock? What's classic rock? You know, like, what is this album? Um, it's just a lot of things. But they hit on, they really knocked it out of the park on a couple and then lost me on the others. So for that reason, you know, it's probably, if you were taking each song and adding them up, I think it's 10 songs or nine songs on the album, and you would give a point to each one of them. It's just definitely lower than a five, but the, you know, the, just the talent, pure talent and the couple of songs that really stand out are like really, really good, really pull the album north of the five benchmark. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a six for me. Yeah. Now that makes sense. Um, I'm going to use LeBron James as a catalyst here to express my thoughts. So if y'all were big ESPN fans in the early 2000s, you probably saw some clips of LeBron James playing in high school for St. Mary's St. Vincent. And you were probably as enamored with him, but you probably saw a lot of his flaws as well. He was way skinnier than he ended up being in the NBA. Uh, he couldn't really shoot, wasn't a good passer, but this dude would just dominate games. But people saw a lot of holes in his game. Fast forward, ends up being on the Cle on uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. He's great, but there's a lot of holes in his ability to lead a team. Doesn't take away from how great LeBron James is, but how great you are is usually measured by your ability to take a cohesive effort and move it forward, i.e., bring a team to a championship. I think Freddie Mercury in this album is like LeBron James, where he is phenomenal. Like, he is so great and you can see so much potential but there's a lot of holes in queen as a band and i think i'm seeing that now listening to this album and it's most likely influenced by my awareness of bohemian rhapsody not the movie the song you listen to bohemian rhapsody and that's like when lebron james won his first championship when like all the gears are just all the buttons are being pressed at the right time the melodies in Bohemian Rhapsody, the song structure, the theme of that song is just like Queen at its best. And I think that is what I was looking for throughout the album, whether it was in a song or in its album's totality. And it did not hit. It was, there was moments of it. You know, there was moments of watching Freddie Mercury slam dunk. There were moments of watching the band rip awesome solos and have it be perfectly matched with the harmonies. But it was, it has a lot of holes in it. There was a lot of dips that were incredibly either forgettable, uh, just confusing to use some of your words earlier, and just kind of weak, right? Like Dragon Attack, what is that song doing here? Like, I do not understand how that fits with the theme, uh, with Freddie Mercury as his ability to be a great vocalist. I just felt there was a lot of songs that you could throw away here. Um, does not take away from Freddie Mercury as an incredible artist, but his ability to bring the team to the championship wasn't really uh, exemplified here. So I, I would have loved to see more, you know, um, I need your lovings, more, uh, obviously, um, another one bites the dust. Sail Away Sweet Sister, I really like that song as well. And even the intro track, I feel has a lot of personality and a lot uh, to offer, but there's just too many moments in this album where you're like, yo, just put Freddie, just give Freddie Mercury the ball. Like, just let, let, let my man just ISO and he will create. But I think 
we're picking up on the fact that like it's hard to define it and maybe queen was still figuring out who who really they were at this point it does feel like that i i understand wanting to like distribute the wealth but sometimes like yo when you got lebron like you gotta let lebron cook man he's not gonna always shoot he may pass the ball sometimes you know but i just thought like there was too much passing of the ball here like let Freddie do his thing. So, um, yeah, a six seems way too generous. A four seems way too low because it's Freddie Mercury. So uh, I'm going to land at a five. I would say if you've never listened to Queen before, don't start off with this album. Um, but there are some songs I would send you from this album. Great. Absolutely. I feel like Queen is best experienced on a Greatest Hits album. <laughs> Right. Oh, I, I think you can compile like 10 really good, like awesome Queen songs. And they would probably be, I mean, two obviously from this album, no doubt make it. Um, maybe play the game, in my opinion, would make it as well. But yeah, totally. Uh, I think we're all in agreement. We're all pretty much in that middle of the middle of the row uh, feel on it. Yeah, man. So uh, have any of you decided what we're going to dive into next? Yeah. Uh, can I take the ball? Or do you want to rock, paper, scissors, shoot for it? Nah, you got it, man. All right, so I struggled, like I mentioned, to figure out what we were really, uh, you know, what bucket this falls in. And we've thrown around a couple genres just on this call. You know, it's like, oh, it's 80s rock, which 80s rock is, you know, a transition from what? 70s rock, right? So it's an evolution from more of a classic rock to a, what, like, kind of poppiness. Um, so that's one genre I had in mind. Arena rock, Raul had brought up earlier. And this is definitely, this album does fit in an arena rock bucket because these songs, especially, you know, another one bites the dust. You get the clap there and the breakdown to match the drums, the grooves. Um, and really um, crazy little thing called love is like, you just everyone in the, in the arena will sing that song front to back. Um, so... I kind of want to take arena rock and 80s, combine it, and move a little bit forward in that direction. Um, and I was going to, I'm recommending or the album Joshua Tree by U2, which is a nice release by the Irish rock band. Um, really took their sound um, into the arena rock. Well, they're already there, but they really took it into, a, into that direction. Um, amazing musicians, one hell of a vocalist in Bono, and um, The Edge, who's a, a profound guitarist, is, like, his specialty is layering his guitar with effects to create a multi-guitar sound, so to sort of envelop the listener. So that's the album I am proposing we listen to for next week. Does anybody have any uh, questions, concerns, comments, or anything. I, I feel like that's a kind of, it could be a cool transition. It is. Um, no, that's know. a pretty good choice. So let's take a look. I've never, li I, I mean, I'm familiar with um, a couple songs, but I've never listened to it front to back. So um, yeah, let's, let's rock and roll and talk about it. But it's good. Let's make it happen. All right, I'll go close this out, homie. All right, y'all. That was episode 18 of our podcast, Infinite Rewind, joined by my homie, Lucky Libby, and Benny Bathrobes.
uh, <laughs> tune in, tune in next week as we uh, dissect the album Joshua Tree, I believe you said by U2. Uh, mm -hmm. Thanks, thanks for joining us. All right, peace and love, y'all. Peace, y'all.